Well, hello there. This is Henry Harris, and welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, freedom to live forward. Okay, let us begin. We are looking at a simple truth about how feelings and moods and all kinds of experiences work. There's a simple truth. There is a simple truth that underlies the moment-to-moment feelings and moods that we experience, though it looks like there is all kinds of factors and complicated scenarios that are creating and shaping this moment's mood and this moment's feeling. Uh, decisions that are not yet made, events from the past, the, the, the reactions or potential reactions of others, uh, the circumstances that are beyond our control. It looks like there's so many things that are creating and generating the feelings that I'm living in right this moment. And yet, What's actually happening is that I'm having an experience of a divine live feed right now. And it's true, there is a life happening. There's a world out there. There are people in my life and there are circumstances in my life. I have a past. I have a present set of circumstances. I have uh, decisions that are needing to be made in the coming future. All of those things are real. But the experience, the actual this moment experience that I'm having is being created in this moment. And that's a wonderfully liberating truth to come, to, 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 come, to come into contact with. Doesn't mean that it's always visible to us. Doesn't mean that it's always, it doesn't feel that, it, that we don't lose sight of that, that we don't get lost in, a, in the feeling that no, it's really, it really is the case that my feelings are being created and shaped by all the details of life, by all the events of my past and by all the um, circumstances of my present, the lack of decision making that I have, the lack of uh, a certain resource that I need. It, it, it looks and feels like those feelings are being created by all those things. But in fact, they're being created in this moment from a divine life feed. That divine life feed is showing up with a whole wondrous spectrum of flow. And it's if I look closely and I'm open, I can see that I don't always feel anxious or frightened. I don't always feel grateful and trusting. I feel both. At times, I feel satisfied and content. I feel hopeful and motivated. And at times, I do feel anxious, ashamed, um, frightened, etc. And the opportunity that I have is to be able to be in this moment to be able to be in this moment and not to need to run from it or to control it or to react to it. I can be in this moment and the feeling of potential discomfort that it might carry. And I can acknowledge there's no reason for me to fix this. I, I, I I can be here. It's safe. It's healthy. Uh, I can't control it, but I don't need to control it. I can be here. I can be here because there is a divine life feed. And in the same way that that my, my human body flows with all kinds of flows, as I've shared the metaphor of the heart, the heart is pumping at all times, both a highly oxygenated, nutrition-filled blood flow, as well as a CO2 toxin-filled blood flow. And that's healthy. That's not a problem. In that same manner, my spiritual heart flows with both uh, expansive, trusting uh, consciousness, as well as very self-centered, short-sighted, 
frightened consciousness. Those are part of, that's just part of the human experience. And I can, I'm not saying therefore that this is a tool or a technique to rid oneself of unpleasant feelings in a given technique. I, I will say that it is absolutely the case that with this understanding, if a person is curious and open to looking for this truth, for being able to look at and watch his experience, he will come to appreciate and recognize, whoa, there is a flow that's flowing through me and I'm not the author of it. And it's not personal to me and it's not being created by the events of the world around me and the circumstances of my past. To the degree that a person is curious and open, first of all, he's accomplishing something profoundly meaningful. He's fulfilling the mitzvah of to know there is a creator, to affirm belief in a single simple source, as well as to affirm that there is no other power than the single simple source. That's a great accomplishment, whether one feels good and warm about it or not. And it will move him. It will draw him closer to an awareness that is really um, very simple, very simple and very accessible. So today's topic I mentioned is living toward the future. And we're about to head into a wonderful opportunity called Passover. This opportunity is available all year round. It happens to be, it's particularly available on the days from uh, the night of the Seder through the following week. And that is this, there's this wonderful tension. There's this extraordinary tension that the Seder highlights that really is a tension we're living with all the time. It's kind of a tension that I'm talking about and referring to pretty much every time I share a thought in this series, there's a tension between where we are standing in a given moment and where and where it is that we yearn to be. There's a big gap between my life in a given moment and the sense that I have that I want something more, even though I don't know how to create it. And that gap can feel threatening. Alternatively, that gap can feel um, awakening, but there's a tension. There's a tension that we're looking to live toward the future. At the beginning of the Seder, we say this year we are slaves and here, and we are here, meaning in some kind of an exiled state in which there's a, a hiddenness. There's an exiled state in which the creator's presence is not revealed. There's a hiddenness and an illusion that we are living in that everything is creating. There's all these creators. There's all these powers it's not a single simple source. The traffic and the argument and the email and the fund, the bank account, all of those things are creators. Those are all power sources. We're living in, in that uh, concealment and the confusion that that can engender. And we have yet a foot in the door of an awareness that, no, we're liberated. We're free people. On the night of the Seder, we're going to do two different things that we're going to ask questions about. Why are we eating this bitter herbs? is a taste of enslavement. Why, on the other hand, why are we reclining, which is a, a taste of nobility, of freedom? Why are we eating matzah exclusively, which is the bread of a poor man, bread of a poor person? And alternatively, why are we dipping, which is something that nobility does? We're kind of standing in two worlds at the same time. And in a sense, that's what we're always doing. We're always doing that. We we are, we're living with a glimpse and a taste that I have access to a trusting, um, wise, expansive awareness. And I don't have control over it, but I do have glimpses of it. And alternatively, I have 
uh, an experience of, of, of a very self-centered, short-sighted, frightened consciousness. And the opportunity is to stand in either one of those states of mind and yet acknowledge there's, there's something bigger. In my grateful, calm state, it can look to me like it's coming from circumstances. In my frightened state, it can look like it's coming from circumstances. Ultimately, there's a concealment. I'm living in a world in which there is a concealment, and I have a glimpse, the ability to glimpse that there is a reality that's greater than that, that's more real than that. It's not actualized, but it resides within my heart, and it's present in the world at large. It is the underlying truth of this whole world, this whole universe, this whole existence, that there's a single simple source that I'm tasting. It's concealed, and yet I'm tasting it even before it's revealed. And so we're touching that 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 tension on the night of, of Pesach and we're acknowledging I can't control the ability to reveal that oneness. I can't, I can't reveal that expansion, expansiveness in my heart at will. I can't uh, banish the dark thoughts and feelings from my heart at will. I can't banish the dark, uh, the dark tendencies in the world at large at will. On the other hand, I can stand in this state of exile and simultaneously can acknowledge the, the alternative is so real. The oneness is so real. I'm going to be loyal to that. I'm going to be yearning for that. I'm not going to back away from my yearning. I sense the yearning and I'm not going to be demoralized by it. I'm not going to be disheartened. I was, I was in conversation this week with a wonderful young man who has experienced disheartened feelings and yet is demonstrating a tremendous courage. He has uh, experienced difficulty in, in being settled in his, he has a yearning to be Shomer Shabbat, to be Sabbath observant, but there are times where he, he just feels like his body is going to rebel, like, like it just feels overwhelming. He is, um, uh, on the one hand, committed to becoming financially responsible, and simultaneously, he's frightened of the uh, of the commitment and the yoke and the necessity to produce an actual income. And at the same time, that he feels at times overwhelmed, he feels like I mean I can't do it. I can't. I don't know how to get myself into a into a settled state where I can let go of my distractions and devices and. Um, cigarettes for 25 hours and I don't know how to settle myself into the yoke of financial responsibility and yet at the same time he's not backing away he's not turning away he's not running away he has short-term escapes but he's not backing away there's a way in which he is fully recognizing the limits of his control like I don't know how to do it I don't know how to make myself totally at peace uh, at all times with regards to Shabbat. I don't know how to make myself totally responsible and calm in terms of my, my commitments in earning a living. And yet he's, he's not backing away. There's this recognition like I want, I can't do it, and yet I want it anyway. The Jewish people encountered that in Egypt, that we, we, we had the opportunity on the one hand to kind of fade into the background, and many of the Jewish people did, they didn't leave Egypt. They couldn't envision a path out of their circumstances, and they made peace. They didn't want to leave. 
The Midrash says that there are eight, that as many as as many as four fifths of the Jewish people did not want to leave. They just couldn't. They couldn't live in the gap between their experience of this enslavement and the notion that bubbled inside of them that said, "No, there's more." It was too painful that gap, and so they gave up on the on the on the aspiration. And they and at the end of the day, they wanted what they had, and that was enough. Here's a person who, and and here's every one of us that is encountering the seder, and we're kind of facing this tension that there's a capacity that we have to realize. I can't do this. You know what's adding to this young man's the intensity of his um, of his choice is that he is in a committed relationship and he is getting married, and he's not backing away from the responsibility at all. And yet he's getting like the nervousness, the fear is bubbling up, and he's dealing with it. He's facing it. He's he's kind of being with it and coming to a deeper and deeper appreciation. I really can't do this. On my own, I really don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get myself from point A to point B. I've tried; it hasn't worked. But I'm not running away from it. I'm not giving up on Shabbat. I'm not giving up on being financially responsible. I'm not giving up on being in a committed relationship. I don't know what it's going to look like, and yet I'm, I'm, I'm. He's he's embracing these simultaneously tense commit to tensing realities, the awareness that I can't unilaterally create this result, and I'm not willing to back away from my desire for it. That produces this realization of like, oh my goodness, I need, I need my, I need the creative universe. And is he available to me? And does he want to help me? Does he want me? Does he want my efforts? And what do I need to do? And can I can I surrender and yet surrender with yearning? That's the gap that 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 living into the future. Like I don't define my reality by the moments feelings that I'm feeling. I don't define my reality by the track record that I've I've exhibited up until this moment in time. I can look for where and how the yearning exists inside me. I can look and see how that yearning is present right now. That is, in a sense, a beautiful evidence, a beautiful exhibit that there must be something to live into. If my circumstances and results don't bear evidence that I can live into uh, all the goals that I want to achieve, the yearning is evidence that I can. Because at the end of the day, I I trust I trust that the yearning is not implanted within me for naught. It's a divine yearning. It was placed in me with a purpose and it there's a courage and a humility in not backing away from it and being able to live in that tension and really in a sense this is what we're doing with ourselves and with our with with our children with our loved ones at all times as a parent i i see that my children have all kinds of um wonderful yearnings and purity and and specialness and they are unfinished products there are ways in which they do not yet demonstrate the maturity and the self-control or self-awareness uh, that I know at one point they will. And sometimes it's bothersome. Sometimes it's burdensome and embarrassing or inconvenient or um, cringeworthy or whatever it might be. Or it's just, it, it just, I feel reactive to it. In the same way that I'm looking to engage this tension on Seder night and in my life in general, I'm also doing that as a parent. There is a 
there's a gap between who and what they are in the present and who it is that they deep, deeply desire to be. I can look for it and find the evidence. Oh, I can catch them. There's a lot of discussion about this in, in, uh, in, um, in effective teaching and educating is catching the good, catching the yearning for good, catching the inclination for something greater that exists within each child and being able to tune into it and to affirm it and to put eyes on it so that the child himself has the ability to kind of through over time come to appreciate, wait, that that's a real part of me. Like I am, that's real. The fact that I also am not that at times is not contradicted. It's not a contradiction. I am the yearning. I am the generosity. I am the kindness no less than I am the impatient, self-centered, impulsive, whatever. I, I'm, I, there's a, there is that, there's a gap within every single one of us. That's what I do with my students. That's what I do with my children. That's what I do with people who I care about. And ultimately it's what I do with myself is that there is that kind of parent who's standing in the future. And then there's that child that's standing in the present. There's a gap between them and the parent has the ability to reach over to reach and the child has the ability to reach toward the parent and the parent has the ability to reach toward the child that there can be this wondrous and peaceful harmonious relationship the Bali Muslim the the teachers of self-development speak about this idea of developing a relationship between body and soul where the body acknowledges it is um, in need of guidance the soul acknowledges it's in need of the body to be able to accomplish great things in this world, but it must respect and accept and love the body, appreciate that the body's desire is to be, is to be guided as long as it's with love and acceptance and a deep treasuring respect. This is, this is the tension of what it means to be a free human being, to be able to live with that tension, to be able to live with the awareness that freedom is the capacity to to guide myself toward this vision of the future in the face of the limits of my present in the face of the limits of this body kid unrefined aspect of myself to be able to um to be able to have a a a, a, a peace that again that that the soul reaches toward the body and the body reaches toward the soul in that same way the jewish people reach toward their creator I, god we say i there's so much i want but i can't i can't get there can you can you help me and god is reaching back to us and we're learning about that on the seder night he's saying i i created this world with a purpose and you are the vehicle through which i'm going to i'm going to reveal that and i love you i am meeting you in this special moment in time called pesach and i want you to know that there's courage involved and there is um, there is a certain aspect of of, uh, of momentousness, and there's a frightfulness. I want I want to be the person who my soul desires to be, but I haven't accomplished it yet. That tension is what a free person knows to be able to do. He he can be with that tension, and he can trust that he's in a safe world, that he's in a healthy world that he can live into the future even as he's not in control of how he gets there. He is in control of his ability to, to maintain the yearning, to
to maintain the desire to identify, to, to be compassionate and accepting of the part of him that is uh, frightened and overwhelmed by the future, but nonetheless is prepared to and desirous of following the guide, the loving guidance of the soul.